It's the After Laugh. You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the After Laugh. After Laugh. Welcome to the After Laugh. After Laugh. After Laugh. After Laugh, man. Go ahead, pull up a chair. Hey, guys. Welcome to the After Laugh. We have a very different episode here. We have a friend of mine who I haven't seen in a couple years. couple, yeah. It's uh, Tamla D'Amico, which I'm assuming is Italian. It's Italian, Sicilian. Mm-hmm. Sicilian. Mm-hmm. I love how you specify Sicilian because that's like hardcore, like legit Italian. Um, I guess. I don't know. People always have something to say about Sicilians. What, what do they say about Sicilians other than the well, mob? Well, s- some people say Sicily is not part of Italy because it's... The boot kicks little Sicily down there. Oh, but so Italians are snobby towards Sicilians. They used to be, but not so much anymore because now Sicily's become such a touristy, gorgeous area. Yeah, yeah. But they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So where was Sicily now? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Sicily was conquered by everyone. So you have people who are very, very dark and people uh-huh. who are very, very light. Obviously, I'm yes. the very, very light. You're the light version. Nordic breed. Yeah. yeah. Um, were you born there? No, my dad. Okay. Yeah. So you're first generation. Italian American, yeah. And is your dad like is he does it look like he just hopped out of a of a mafia movie? Does he have the deep accent and No, my dad has this interesting Brooklyn slash Sicilian accent. Do you know when like you falter back to your accent when you're tired or mad? Or drunk. Right, exactly. Yeah. So all those things. Sometimes he'll say stuff that you're like, what is, it sounds kind of Brooklynese, but like, what was that little thing at the end? You know, yeah. but yeah, no, he came to America when he was 10. Okay. So, but his parents never lost their accent. Yeah. Till, you know, they passed away with that accent. That was very, very thick. Yeah. And did you grow up in Brooklyn? No, the rest of my family did. They moved to Long Island when I was born. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so you grew up, you're a Long Island girl, deep a down. A Long Island girl. And then I had to move to Florida. And How did you shed both of those accents? Because, you know, as an actor, you you have to, it used to be like people be like, oh, just watching me, like, I just want to hear what you're saying, like, how you talk, you know, and like, oh, this is so annoying, you're not listening to what I'm saying, you're just listening to my accent. Yeah. So it comes out, I mean, when I'm tired, just like what we said, like, tired, angry, drunk. Yeah. It'll come out. And it comes out in certain words, orange. Orange? Or, orange. Orange. Yeah, okay. <laughs> kind of. You almost kinda. have it. Draw. Draw. Okay. Um, what's another? Water or wa- water, you would water. say? Yeah. Water. Water. Yeah. Okay. But it's more like awe. Awe. Water. Water. Yeah. Um, But, I, you know, I'm very conscious of it because as a performer, you have to constantly have, you know, have a, have a singer's ear anyway. Yeah, so. exactly. So as a performer, did you grow up as a performer was that something that was encouraged in your family as a singer i'm the youngest of five kids and i think my mom was very amazing at coddling each of us into what we were into yeah she was not like pushy like stage mom or whatever but my one of my brothers is a doctor and i remember she gave him uh disney medical books so it's like you get to see goofy and like learn about the body (laughs) from and like he became a doctor and another another brother um always had those radio shack kits and he works for ge and oh wow you know like stuff like that so, so early on early you on you knew I you were was, gonna be a singer or actor what I, was the first love uh, it's interesting because 
I'm the youngest of five, like I said, and everybody was older. And I think my mom was sort of like hanging on to me. So I didn't go to nursery school. I didn't go to preschool. And for whatever reason, I was not into like Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers or whatever. And I watched New York's Nostalgia Network, which basically is like TCM or Turner Classic Movies. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I watched like reruns of I Love Lucy and the Judy Garland show and a lot of black and white things. Yeah, just so you're just an old soul out of the game. Old soul, yeah. And um, yeah, I just always knew that I was going to move to California from the I Love Lucy episode, you know, where she yeah. could, I didn't even know what it was, but I was like, that was a fun time. Like those were fun episodes. So I need to go to California. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what so, age did you move to California? Um, a couple of times. Cause when I was in college, I said that I had graduated <laughs> and I did it. Where did you go to college? Uh, Florida State University. Oh, party school. Film school. No, oh, film, film school. school. Yeah. Okay. Very difficult film school. Like 16 students from all over the world. Oh, wow. Get in at once. So it was a very, uh, unique experience but very akin to how it is in the business you know you work in a movie with people from all walks of life and different ages and countries and whatnot so 16 students from all over the world different age groups as a freshman was interesting yeah yeah and very competitive but anyway um so i came out before i had graduated i came out here to work with a producer that i'd wanted to work with who was a female she was passing away and i was like i want to go work there so i just said i graduated to get the internship and i totally did not what was the movie that you worked on not a movie it was her production company okay yeah and um this was a long time ago i just like started school and uh then she passed away and they were like you're so awesome we want to hire you and i was like i have to go to college (laughs) they're like what (laughs) yeah Uh and then i went back and graduated and then came back again so did you work at that company when you came back no uh, no, I moved on and then I was going to the Strasbourg here and all that oh, stuff okay. just continued. So when you came out here, you joined the Lee Strasbourg Institute. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still part of that? No, I've, I'm done. You're done. Yeah. Cause I always thought the least, I thought that was like a lifelong membership and you're part of this team of actors and shit. I mean, like it's that. basically like the actor studio. If I wanted to go back there, I, I can, Yeah. but it's not like there's any sort of free membership. You have to pay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, um, you are a, a accomplished singer. Mm-hmm. You have um, and you perform all over town as a as a jazz singer, right? Mostly, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, for soundtracks and movies, I perform whatever you want me to perform. But yeah. my career, I've made in jazz by choice. Yeah. Yeah, and is that mostly in the in the live in the live scene jazz, or do you uh, get to hop on albums? Or how does how does it work? Yeah, I've recorded a number of albums and singles and. You know, jazz is one of the few genres that still wants to have the CD in their hand, ironically. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of older uh, jazz heads, but... Um, I love the I love the term jazz head, by the way. You know, I mean... It evokes a- such a specific image of, like, a balding guy with a ponytail with a little bit of a belly. No, that's no. not the image I have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anybody... People are like, oh, you sing jazz. Like, what is that, like, opera? I'm like, no, it's jazz. <laughs> and... Um, you know, it's one component, it's one faction, one facet of who I am as a performer. But uh, everybody has jazz on their iPod, iPhone. Yeah, exactly. They do. And yeah. th- then they're like, well, what is it? And it's like, well, it's, really what I do is big band jazz and American standards like Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. and yeah. whatnot. Um, but I've been doing just more movies and stuff now because traveling with a big band in this economy is not... Yeah, right. I can imagine that is also very exhausting as well. So how did you get involved? In, how does one get involved in, in soundtracks as a singer? How does that even happen? 
for me, for everything I've done, I just feel like people just ask. Okay. It wasn't like, they're like, oh, how are you going to do voiceovers? Or how are you going to do that? It's just like, people are just like, oh, I really like you. Would you want to such and such? You and know? they see you performing live and they kind yeah, of invite you Yeah, or they're here on the radio or whatever. And they're like, I want that sound. And it's funny because most of the soundtracks I've done is not jazz. It's just pop. So give me an example of some things that you have done, soundtracks. Okay, so a recent one that I did that I loved uh, that you would probably know if you saw it was a film called Rob the Mob. Uh-huh. And it's all about our true story about how these two kids like robbed the mob in the 80s and um, took them down and then they got taken down. But I had to sing in that film the theme song and then had to sing it six different versions of it and also in Italian and translate it in Italian. And then actually one time hum it all the way through, which was like silly. But um, ironically, like the, the soundtrack came out and the English... Uh, Italian version, like the mix of that is on the soundtrack, but everyone wanted the Italian version. Ah, interesting. And they didn't release that version. I'm like, that's the one that people loved. And yeah. it's just like, you know, executives. So what, you, so what do you do with that? Is that something that you can kind of get out there on your own? So um, I contacted the record label, Lakeshore Records, and I was like, you know, the, it looks like fans want the Italian version. What should we do? And it's like, then they have to go back to the masters and like all that stuff. And they didn't end up doing it. So what I ended up doing was releasing on YouTube, just the two ver- two Ita- oh. Italian versions that I had that were not mastered. Okay. And I was like, just, you know, for your listening pleasure, you can't yeah. buy it. Everybody streams music nowadays anyway. So who cares? Yeah. And fortunately or unfortunately, I think it was kind of too late. You know what I mean? By the time mm. I decided to do it, I mean, th- people have listened to it, but in the moment, I think they could have made, some nice coin yeah know? exactly now do you do you feel that as a singer and I, I know a few people who are are singer songwriters you're also a songwriter I imagine too uh, I would never you know when people are like are you also a dancer and it's like I dance oh I you're can, also a dancer I mean I have dance but no no I'm not I'm not trying to add that to my multi-talent <laughs> what I'm saying is, is like I would never call myself a dancer because I'm not doing that every day yeah I'm not calling myself a songwriter because I'm not doing that every day can I write songs yes have I written songs yes uh have I yet to release that album of my own? Yeah, songs? I want to ask yeah, you about that. I haven't done that yet. Is that something? Is that pie it's in the been sky? In the works. It's no. been in the works. Yeah, it's been in the works, and it's one of those things like you start getting married to a person as a collaborator, and then something ultimately happens. Go on. Yeah, I mean, just like in just same thing with like movies or whatever. Like you're working a project with somebody, and something always seems to have happened in the past year and a half. Uh, working with two different people. One I was working with in originals and the other one I was working on a big band album that would have been super cool. But it's like something happens in that collaborator's life that keeps pushing the project. And to me, I I move very fast in everything that I do. Yeah. So it's like when somebody starts to stall, I'm like, mm, uh, next, let's yeah. move. Let's Okay, I'm going on to the next thing. Not to say that that can't come back around. Yeah. But just from experience oftentimes if it's so much time has passed yeah it's either not going to come back for like another 10 years or yeah uh it's just not happening right now and he's got to move forward do you feel that jazz um and i'm not a jazz head yeah i appreciate it do you feel that jazz is as an art form is sort of um not stagnant uh but do you do you feel it's something that the collective unconscious of america or the world is not really in tune with right now do you feel like it's no. a very niche thing it's it's niche but I, I have always said this publicly and i have no problem saying this uh almost every artist in jazz knows 
one another because yeah. it is niche. Mm -hmm. We all know each other or have been around each other. But, and there's different factions of jazz. There's different genres within jazz. But jazz artists don't tend to celebrate one another. Like the days of the Rat Pack. Yeah. And that kind of, that doesn't happen now. What do you mean by that? Ex expand a little bit on that. Um, okay. I spend a lot of time around comedians, as you know. I have a lot of yeah. comedian friends. I, I mean, I myself, as a, I'm a comic actor when I want to be have a sketch group. But comedians in the room, in the green room, like when you guys are eating, you support each other. Interesting, yeah. Writers support each other. Like mm -hmm. there's a whole Twitter community of writers. Yes. Okay, and they support each other. Comedians support each other in a way that actors don't and mm. singers generally don't. Yeah. As you can see in pop music, singers are constantly battling each other yeah, publicly. Exactly. And I don't know what that's about. I just feel like just as a performer in all walks of life, like we're all one tree tree bark with like a lot of branches. Yeah. And everybody's sort of should be elevating and celebrating each other. But that's that's my teammate mentality from having a lot of siblings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But most people do not feel that way. So I, I never feel like I'm losing anything by you getting a job or, you know, I mean, I'm not competitive with people. I'm competitive with myself and my yeah, own spirit, course. like rising. Most people are competitive with other people. And for some reason within the jazz community, I've shown up to other people's gigs and they're like, oh, what are you doing here? Like as if I'm going to take your gig from the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But you're, but you're showing up as a singer. No, I'm showing up as an appreciator of your music and to celebrate you. Oh, so when you show up to a jazz gig to, to listen, to, to listen. watch, people go, Rawr. Yeah. It's women, right? Come on, let's be honest. Uh, no, no. Oh, believe me, too. as somebody who friends a big band, I've had a lot of pushback from male jazz musicians wow. who can't stand that I'm the girl singer. Now, give me an example. What, what that this sounds like? so negative. Listen, my Look, life is very positive. There's so much positive no, in there. It's, it's, You're just asking the negative question. I question know, but, that's the more fun shit. Yeah. <laughs> but no, for instance, yeah. I mean, I had... Like I said, I'm not performing so much with my own big band because it's just super expensive, and of I'm course. and it's time for me to record another album anyway. But um, uh, for instance, I have a lot. You know, we all use a lot of the same session guys, let's mm. say, and somebody just forgot that they were in mixed company. We we're all out, not on a gig, just having fun, out having drinks somewhere. And somebody was talking about another gig with another singer, vocalist, who's a guy, and what their rate was, and blah blah blah. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so it's like you work for him for that amount and I'm paying you X all these years. Wow. And then they're like, well, no, like, we'd work that for you, too. But I'm like, mm. Ooh. and he got beat red because he was embarrassed. Interesting. And I was like, hey, man, I'm an artist. Just like I'm not Rockefeller over here. Like what's, you know? Yeah. What gives? Do you feel like it's sexism? Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But beyond that, what I was saying is just in general, Jazz artists, there's different factions of jazz artists, and there's also supreme jazz musicians who, you know, went to Berkeley and they're all about music theory. And, you know, if you do not read music and can pick up a piece of sheet music and play it immediately, they're like, you are not, you know, you're not a musician. Interesting. But as you know, many singers, many musicians who are very famous don't read music or don't, you know, like, I just have this thing like talent is innate and it's yeah. like you can go to school to be a carpenter and then you could just, you know, come from a grandfather who was a whittler on the front porch and was carving stuff and you took it up. And it's like, which one has more soul? The person who naturally mm -hmm. has propensity to do it 
and as talented and he's made a table over there or the guy that went to school to learn the craft and he's doing it by technique like technically yeah of course it's different and people always sense the difference and it's like when people are just within this genre i'm talking trying to sing jazz that don't normally come from a jazz background or don't come from the sense of like i wake up and i jazz is in my heart like i want to sing jazz i've chosen this path because i started out in pop music yeah i want to ask about that because it feels like as in a commercial world right uh even as a jazz singer to get a breakout pop song would help facilitate everything right is it something you think like maybe i should write a see if i should do a A crossover like my blue did a crossover yeah um yeah, I mean, but it's like, do I think about that every day if, if that's a goal? It's not. If I were to do it and it happened, sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I, my theory and what's going to happen between now and next year, everyone and their brother is going to record a jazz album. <laughs> it's already started. Really? Why? Because next year is 2020. Uh-huh. So it's the new 20s. Uh-huh. And they're going to catch on this fad. And... It's just it's just gonna happen. Yeah. It's already happened. Like Willie Nelson has a standards album and you know which is very good by the way. But uh yeah, I just feel like people are gonna try to just do it as a money break, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. like a lot of pop artists are in country now. For what reason? You think they love country? You think they love country, Bill? They don't well, love country. Let me tell you something. I got stoned the other night and I was in my bed and Blanco Brown came on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know who Blanco Brown is. He has a song called The Get Up. Yeah. And it's it's he's a black dude from oh, Georgia. Yes. yes, yes. And it is the goofy the whole song is just choreography, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like you're gonna do this, you're gonna do the two step and cowboy boogie thank you girl around. And uh, I remember listening to it thinking like I was in the weird extra dimension where this existed because it seems sort of like a parody of itself. But it was also kind of genius as well. Sure. And he apparently grew up with his grandma listened to hip hop and with his mother listened to country and he was able to combine the two Meld the genres. Right. right. And that one song is now just catapulted them into like the stratosphere. Right. Um, but there's commerce in that. And it's yes. just like when people like do a partially Christian rock song, there's commerce in that. <laughs> yeah. It's not because they're so into it. Maybe that particular artist is, and I'm sure yeah. there's a number of them actually. But um yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, Lady Gaga's Joanne album. What do you think that was about? I don't really know that album that much. What, what was it, a jazz album? She has, like, the, the no, it was, like, country kind of. It was really? a, sort of like there's some country feel to it. And was her, it after A Star is Born? Before. Before. And she has this, like, pink cowboy styled sort of hat at. And I was like, okay, interesting. I see what you're doing. And that didn't catch. She's like, okay, back to, back to oh, Lady no, Gaga. Oh, no, it did. It, it did? did, yeah. Shit. And then, you know, she moved, she she comes from the world of jazz. Like we sort of started at the same time in New York. Oh really? Did yeah. you know her? I, as her real name, which is what, um, like she's, isn't she Jewish? No, she's Italian. Oh, okay. Uh, Stephanie Germanata. Germanata. Yeah. Something I like no that. No idea. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's okay. I'm like, and when she started, everything. she was just like this kind of like nerdy girl who played her own music. And she played piano. She had dark hair. And um, really still had a great voice, but was doing sort of like her take on standards. And then she moved into this other sort of like grunge style yeah, with like boots and little tops and stuff on stage later. But um, yeah, I mean. Do, do you think about that like in terms of as a singer who has talent in singing? And this is one thing I always talk about with people. Like I, I think there are some things that are true talent. 
I think dance is a real talent. You sure. can't just be like, I want to be a good dancer right. and become a good dancer <laughs> right, after right. a certain age. Uh, you can't be like, I want to be like, I would love to be a good singer. I, I think my dream was to be in a boy band mm. always mm-hmm. because I was a good dancer and I look like I could be. In a, you look like a boy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Now I'm like boy band. You're like the seat. other Wahlberg. <laughs> um, but I just couldn't sing. And they would want me to go and talk really? for rent. And I was just terrible at it. So it was one of those things like, oh, you, you know, if you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing. That's a bullshit motto. Right. 100%. Well, I mean, a lot of people have gotten their music career off the ground with auto tune. But. That's you can't true. do that on Broadway. <laughs> no, and I could never. I, yeah, I could never sing on Broadway, unfortunately. But I, but I always, I always wanted to do it. So I, I think, like, I think stand up is a sort of. Um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's sort of a, um, not a modified talent, but it's sort of, it's just a learned skill. Like you can show up on stage with no jokes, mm-hmm. no ability, and just keep showing up. Right. And just bomb for five years until all of a sudden you've crafted enough material that sure. you can be a good stand. So there, there's – and you can also – if you're rich, you can hire writers. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the idea of like, well, are you naturally funny? Like do you have funny bones? And do you have a delivery? Because like yeah. I know I have a lot of friends who are – who will go nameless yeah. – who are comedians who have been doing this for a long time. And I'm like, even with people writing their jokes, their delivery is just n- – not organic yeah like in my when i do you've never seen me i think do a bigger stage show or whatever but i people are like oh you should do stand-up because i do stories in between my songs yeah i want to ask you about that and um uh, sometimes not always but a, a lot of the time some people love them but i'm like i am an extemporaneous speaker yeah so and also i wear many hats as a performer and as a producer and a director whatever i'm, I'm around people constantly so i'm i just consider myself to be a storyteller yeah so uh, it's just interesting when people get on stage and like they're crafting these jokes and then it's just like everyone in the audience can feel that this is not coming from your center of truth. Yes. And yes. They, they're not landing, not because the jokes are not funny. Mm-hmm. It's just not, you're not being honest. You're not being naked up there. Yes. It's like the more naked you are, I mean, in anything. In you, anything. You yeah. Do, yeah. The, the more it's going to land and people are going to believe it. I have a, this is sort of a sidebar. I have a bit that's on the Laugh Factory website. The bit is just called Stay Single. And I recorded a week after I got like dumped by this girl I thought I was going to marry. Mm-hmm. And, um, Ouch. And I'd come, I'd come up with some jokes for it. But there's a guy in, uh, in the audience who is like, he's got the hat all wiggity wiggity whack. He's got his feet on the stage. He's got his arms folded. Yeah. And, uh, I think I asked him if he has a girlfriend. He's like, yeah, man. And I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, don't. You're 22. You're, Live your life. You're a douchebag. Just stay a douchebag. Because <laughs> eventually, and I go, eventually everyone, any guy in any relationship becomes a puppet. And they're all like, whatever you want, dear. And it, it's a decent bit, I guess. It's sort of a, an early version of it. Um, I found out recently that it got viral. <laughs> On like incel sites. What the hell does that mean? Do you know what an incel is? Have you heard of MGTOW? They're kind of connected. MGTOW. I don't know what just happened to my voice right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thinly veiled misogynistic group of people that coincidentally or not end up usually shooting up schools. Uh, Incels means involuntary celibate. 
Oh my god. So basically okay. a bunch of kids who can't get laid follow me. Okay. Because they think that I am You're the celibate god. <laughs> Are you a celibate god? I'm going to be. Uh I think that um but why that the reason that the reason I'm bringing up, I think that I'm glad. Pit, by the way, America, I did not know what those letters stood for. But now you know what incel is. Yeah. Okay. Um, like a lot of the people who've been involved in a lot of stuff. Like if you look at the guy who was in El Paso, like that guy's an incel. Like nobody. Right. There's actually a comic going around like, "Hey, ladies, just FYI, for America, can you start fucking these poor guys?" Um, which I think is kind of yeah. funny, but also kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, but there's this group called MGT Men Going Their Own Way. And people have contacted me and said, hey, your bit is getting viral on these sites. And viral in a weird sort of dark web, right. not really viral way. <laughs> um, but your, people, your bit is going viral with psychopaths. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. who can't get laid. Yeah. And, I'm, and I don't know if I'm flattered. And then there's a problem is like, well, can I, can I Larry the Cable Guy this and be right. like the incel comic? But it's too... That's the thing. It's like it's there's a fine line because then it's like now you are feeding into something that is very serious. Yes. And awful. Mm-hmm. Right. M- one of my best. But friends. then, then yeah. if you don't do it, then you're like you are um, stifling and being too PC in comedy and killing comedy. Yes. My fr- well, good friend of mine was married to one of the. Uh, lead singers of Ramstein. Do you know Ramstein? Ramstein? No. Let's let's ask me questions about should I know, all right? Okay. So <laughs> Ramstein is like they're like a heavy metal rock band okay. and they're like Jewish, but they're German, so their songs became an anthem for like neo-Nazis Nazis. in Germany. Yeah. And they would have concerts and all these Nazis would show up in bald head and like eh, eh, Ramstein, the guys like Jewish like singing songs like yeah, my and he like didn't really he thought it was kind of funny, I right. guess. But that's, again, another, like, scary thing. You don't want thing. it to go that way. You don't, <laughs> you don't want, want your to... name attached to Nazis in any way. The fact that we've even said Nazis on your podcast, well, you got to bleep the word out. Not at all, because I have this bit where I talk about, and I've, and I've gotten so much shit for it, why I say, and the, the bit has not aged very well, because the bit was, was probably about a year old, where I said, um, uh, you know, apparently Nazis are on the rise. It was right after Trump got elected. Like, um, Nazis are on the rise. I was like, they're not. Oh, look, I'm six foot tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. No one's ever approached me. Hello, would you like to tell them about the organization? I go into this Nazi accent. Mm-hmm. It's a silly little, <laughs> silly little joke. All right. But but they posted on the Laugh Factor Instagram, and people just went after me. Like, you fucking piece of shit. You're denying that Nazis are on the rise. Look at, and I don't know how to handle that because I'm kind of like, I'm yeah. not endorsing it in any way. I'm trying to mock in my head, I'm going, we have a, an amazing country that is resilient, and we're right. not going to be taken over by Nazis. So right. let's get rid of that idea. Right. But there are people really who fervently believe that that is what's happening in this country. Right. And, you know, as a comic, then you kind of have to, like, send anything up and send everything up. But uh, but sometimes I feel there's also an obligation to... <laughs> Put a disclaimer. Like, I don't believe in this, but here's the joke. Yeah. Like, then it, like again, you're killing comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I want to talk to you about your, your, your acting background and your, and your sketch because I also feel in this business, multi-hyphenates can kind of have a hard time being figured out by the industry. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So if you are a singer and a jazz singer and a jazz singer that is particular like you mm-hmm. who fits very solidly into your niche but you're also an actor do you find that people go well you're a singer not an actor 
Is it something that you feel like you have to make it a choice It used about? to be that way, but, like, I started my own production company to basically create vehicles for my own career because I am talented in, in different prongs. Yeah. And then, of course, what ended up happening, which now I'm redirecting after all this time, but what ended up happening is you take on other projects that have nothing to do with you, and then I'm producing something for this person or that person or directing something and taking on other babies' products and I mean other people's products and it's their babies and yeah. I've now made them my babies and it's just wasting my time in one realm. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, no, now what has happened is if you're not a predator, a content creator where you can do everything yourself. Predator? Producer, writer, director, editor, I've actor. I've never heard that before. That's yeah. such a great If term. you're not a predator, mm -hmm. you're not going to work. Yes. So now everyone who is like, you need, you need to pick a lane. Pick a lane, Tamala. I mean, what are you? I don't know what box to put you in. Well, I don't want to be in your box. Yeah. And the fact that you are telling me that I need be, to be put in a box because you can't figure me out. And then in the next breath, like I had this meeting over at CAA and they're like, we're, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I was like, well, what artist do you have that you can like – let me know like how you're going to handle all those things yeah. and they're like do you know will smith <laughs> and i'm like well a six foot four black man who is a rapper turned like how, what does that have to do with me yeah um but now what has happened is i've become branded like i'm a brand yeah. and i've become a brand ambassador and a social influencer to people because i am all those things and a content creator so it's like if you want something done and you want your shit promoted oh she'll do it you know, and, and, and now that is a little sidearm business that I yeah. get paid. So what, what to. is that business? Tell me about that because I don't think I know much about that. About being a social influencer. Well, I, I mean, you're obviously verified. Yeah. <laughs> no. So what is that? But what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean for you in terms of like what your obligation to that is? Like, what do you have? Okay. To do? So basically it sort of happened by default and people get influencers who have worked their whole life to become an influencer, get mad at me for saying that, <laughs> but it seriously happened because I have you know, a, a music career. And then after I had done this Disney show, you what was get, the Disney show? it was called best friends whenever uh -huh. it was about two time traveling best friends. Um, so therefore they're best friends whenever in every timeline. What was that on? What was it was on the, the Disney channel. And you were, one and of the... I played something very cool. Uh, I played the younger version in the past of Nora Dunn. Oh, very from cool. SNL. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was super excited. I feel like, God, uh, they were like, we can make you look like her. You don't look like her. But I feel like in the audition, I was the only one who knew who Nora Dunn was. Yeah, yeah. From being such an SNL head, you yeah. know, like, so I was like, I can do her, you yeah. know. Uh, anyway, so, you know, the Disney Channel has a large faction of fans. Yes. So that blew up my social media. Mm-hmm. In addition, that was I've, like instantaneous, like within instantaneous. Like months. Yeah. Yes, and I was the villain. Yeah. Um, instantaneous. That blew up social media. In addition, I went and did this movie in India, which it premieres this Friday. Oh, really? Called One Little Finger. Yeah. And what does that come out in America? America, yeah. Where? Where well, will it be? It's in at LA? the Lemley here in Santa Monica. Then we gotta put you. We gotta. We gotta put this podcast up right before it's <laughs> yes. the cross promote. Yeah. What's it called again? It's called what? One Little Finger. Okay. And uh, it spreads the mes message of inclusion and ability and disability. And There's it was shot in India. In India. Is it Bollywood? No. No, Bollywood, just so everyone knows, is trying to basically get, get away from, you know, what people think Bollywood is with all the dancing, whatever. They're trying to become more English in their filmmaking. And this was a was U.S. What does that mean to you? Was, was, just like more American movies. 
so standard movies. More drama. There's no big dance number at the yeah, end. Yeah, they're just telling the story. Okay. Um, so this was a U.S. and India co-production, but this was not Bollywood. There are some Bollywood actors in it, but this is what is known as Tollywood, which is like southern India. Tollywood. Yeah, they have all these names. How does that even come? What does Tollywood mean? I From forget. Is Tali a town or Tali? Maybe it's Tamil. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know. So how, how do you get that, that film? That's a very cool okay, project. Okay, so I know we're jumping around here, but um, basically that was the third Indian movie that I was offered. Wow. And it's just because I think of my fan base in Asia or something. I don't know. But the one prior to this went to Cannes. Wow. I mean, to Cannes. Sorry. is how you properly, you properly say. Cannes. just pronounce it Cannes. Yeah, but honest. it's Cannes. So uh, that movie went to Cannes. It's just funny how life comes full circle, basically. Yeah. So my representation was like, you're not going there. We don't know the infrastructure there. If something happens to you, we have no way of protecting you. So yeah. I didn't take that second movie and it went to Cannes and I was mad. Of course. Uh, so then the I was like, film festival in the world. Yeah. So then after that, I went to, uh, this meditation center <laughs> heading towards Malibu with a friend of mine just to look at like the Japanese gardens and stuff. It's called like the self-realization center. It's just yeah, a nice walk. And the walk. Palisades, right? Yeah. yeah, that, I've, yeah. Heard, I've always wanted to go for a walk there. Yes. Oh my I've God. Anytime it. you want to go, I'm there. What's it called again? It's, it's called, called the self-realization I've center. Literally, and it's like non-denominational. I've looked at it on Yelp. I've seen pictures of it. Gorgeous. I want to go, There's like little waterfalls yes. and fish and shit. And just the energy there is great. So I went with my friend Jordan and we were just like, let's be silly and just meditate by the pond. And we did. And all of a sudden, I just had this like weird flash. And I was like, Jordan, I want to go to India. And he's like, it's already happening. Yeah. Silly little Hollywood thing, right? So then two weeks later, I get this offer. Wait, so you didn't even audition. You just got an offer based, yeah. on, your, based on your music or based on your content? Just, From, yeah, just based on me. Like, yeah. is, there a th- is there a thing, though? Like, we just had uh, uh, an interview with this guy, Jod Ranitsky, and he did um, a little act out of... Uh, Patrick Swayze doing Dirty Dancing yeah. and he goes to catch baby and she falls and she dies and then he has to like <laughs> bury her body oh, and hide no. it. And and when he's auditioned for uh, Just for Laughs he was supposed to do jokes he's like fuck it I'm going to do my Dirty Dancing thing. Yeah. And he did that SNL saw him and SNL's like we want you to be on SNL. Yeah. And then he did and after he was finished with SNL after a year he's like oh my career's over and then he got an audition for a Reese Witherspoon movie and the director's like, can you do that dirty dancing bit? And it became like the thing, thing. that like yeah. just catapulted his whole career. Yeah. No, it wasn't something like that. I think I just, because like I have all these different prongs going in my career. Yeah. So they just kind of vaguely know you. Yeah, yeah. Or saw something. And this director was part of the Grammy Foundation. I guess maybe they knew me from that. I don't, I'm not really sure. But what ended up happening is I guess he made the offer to my manager. And my manager was like, no, because like here's another one, you know. But your manager... You managed to get turned out and off. Oh, I going, know. Believe me, he's not my manager anymore. Oh. So, um, very nice man, but he was nervous that, you know, yeah. so then this director very smartly contacted me through Facebook. So the power of social media. And he's wow. like, just so you know, I offered this to you. Your manager said no. And you know, I, if you'd like to read it. So I read it and the script was very beautiful. And there's no of, music involved in the script at all. Or is not Yes, it is. It's based on, I'll tell you. Okay. My character plays an, I play a neurologist who wants to bring music therapy to a disability institute in India. Oh, wow. Because I have certain theories about it. My character does not sing, however. Interesting. I mean, she, she knows music and whatnot, but she's, she's not, I'm not singing in the movie. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, so they, he offered this to me and the, the script was so beautiful and 
I was like, I think I'm supposed to do this movie. Yeah. Uh, and this, it was very like eat, pray, love, you know, like that kind of like a person goes over and has this great experience. Why would I'm just confused. So the manager would turn that down because he thought it wasn't safe. Yes, because Americans know nothing really about India. I feel like when I went there, I'm like, India needs a good PR person. Yeah. Um, it wasn't safe and how they how they film and schedule is different than America. How they pay you out is different. So I, we had to like make all of these negotiations, like I'm getting paid before I go and like all these things. Yeah. And, you know, contacting 20 people to get, you know, basically uh, to verify that everything was going to be handled properly. I mean, I was when I was there, I was treated like Angelina Jolie, like I was like a queen. Yeah. And but I was in actor jail. Like nobody could see me without going through like five people. And what do you mean by that? I had like people protecting me, guarding me, and and I could not just like go out for a stroll because wow. they my reps had put the fear of God into that. Is it in Bombay or is it being shot? No, it was shot in Assam, which is where all like the black tea in the world comes from, which is amazing to see all those like tea gardens. Uh -huh. I'm sure you don't even know what a tea tree looks like. Most people no don't. Clue. Yeah, yeah, they're like little bonsais, like they're beautiful. Huh. Um, so in Assam, so the first time I went, I was like, India is gorgeous. It has a pink sun and I'm being treated <laughs> like in this big house, like gone with the wind. And then the next time or the last time I went, we were in Calcutta, which is the city and yes. super polluted. I'm like, oh, yeah. India has a pink sun because it's polluted. Because of pollution. Yes. Um, but beyond that, the people are so gorgeous. I mean, their spirit, their souls are so gorgeous. You think like... Americans are on so much Xanax and all these things and everybody has problems and there you have somebody who is destitute like super poor living in a little like corrugated hut next to a huge marble mansion it makes like zero sense yeah um but they're happy but they are happy that's my point they are happy no matter what and wow. they're like if you have faith you have everything so mm -hmm. it's like if I decide to make your coke can there mm -hmm. be my god and I put my faith into that, then stuff will happen because I have faith. Yeah. And that's how it is. So there's a lot of temples to different things that you're like, oh, that's interesting. Now, I, I was just in Saudi Arabia and Egypt, and I got arrested in Egypt. Uh, See, it was my a whole friend told me, like, if you go to Egypt, you're going to get arrested because I talk too much. Why did you get arrested? Um, it's a, I, I talk about it on my podcast. But okay. basically, I, I was there. There's an altercation. They took my phone. Oh. Now, you follow me on Instagram, right? Yeah. I have photos on my Instagram where I have my butt out in front of certain monuments. Right. Because as opposed to me being like, hey, I'm in front of Buckingham Palace. Yeah. I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if I mooned in front of a beef eater? Um, and I don't know. It's stupid. But they took my phone. They saw these photos. And they said, did you take one of these in front of the pyramid? Oh, God. And I said, I said no, you, there's no photo, so I didn't. And they said, how do we know you didn't post one on Instagram? And I said, well, because you see my Instagram there. Like, well, yeah, it could take some time for it to post. And I'm like, oh, oh my. So they detained me for two days. Anyway, um, but that's also different because the Muslim faith, from what I know, is very different than Hindi, right? So I don't know, like, is there... In terms of the danger, I guess it's just the crime. It's not like religious crime. Is it like um, no? Um, they're not going to persecute you because you're you grew up Catholic or anything. No, not at all. No, and obviously, like in Calcutta, that's where the Mother Teresa house is, and I, I went uh -huh. there. Oh wow! I did see human trafficking in India. I will say what that. What do you mean you saw human trafficking? It's a whole story for another podcast. Why not? But Let's I did do it now. See it. I'll tell you one second. But basically, it's just something that's a real fact of life. Yeah. 
Um, I saw a baby that got taken. I reported it. Oh, God. And, like, I'll never forget it. So the yeah. baby's face is imprinted on my brain. But anyway, the consulates there were like, you need to report this on your own soil because everyone so you went knows. To consulate that- and you told them this, and they're like, mm. They're like, there's really nothing we can do because you, the baby was probably taken from another country and then brought here. Like, it's yeah. so far removed. And they're like, all you can do is file and file your description and hope. And But, you know, the funny thing is, like, a lot of people were saying to me, uh, that baby's going to go to a good home because somebody's, like, purchasing that baby that really wants it. And I was like, oh, geez. That was the darker side. The lighter side of India is that, yes, everybody was super happy the Muslim people were so lovely to me, and they were very concerned that the picture that American has of all Muslims, uh-huh. or what is pumped to them through uh-huh. different media sources, was what I thought that they were going to be. And they're like, mm. "Those are extremists. Those are terrorists. Those are extremists. That's not us." Yeah. Like, are do you like me? It was very sad, you know. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, I, I don't even know. I don't know enough about you know your religion to believe that." the way you think I probably would believe it. Yeah. But um, uh, for all intents and purposes, I felt like I was in the safest place in the world because the parents of all Muslim people were living in Kolkata. Like, nothing's going to happen there. Yeah. You course. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I had a fantastic time. A, because I was a quote-unquote Hollywood actor there, so I did not have a... a regular probably like tourist experience for yeah. sure so you were treated like you I were, was treated um, you like were a royalty. huge star like yeah. oh my god can i have your autograph yes yeah so constant yeah and um which is lovely but then it's hard to come home because then you're like <laughs> now i have to be just an actor or you know and the process how long you were shooting this film over in two years what you're sh- you're shooting this film how long were you on the set that long no no no, like that's what over... I'm saying. Because the way they schedule, I was like, I can't oh. be in India for that. We have to break up this schedule. So how many times do you go back and forth? I don't even remember. A bunch. <laughs> so. Um... Um, but then we had a U.S. schedule here. Yeah. And enough to be. Like, I didn't. You know, when I went there, I asked 20 people, like, what do I need to know about India? And, of course, people were like, don't drink the water. Nobody gave me practical information. Yeah. Like. Uh, this is how you take a shower. Uh-huh. Like it's different. You have to turn on the hot water heater and like do all these things with the sink and the shower and turn them both on and make sure the water's running. And then they give you a bucket and a pitcher because before they had natural running like a water system, mm-hmm. they would go to the rivers. River, and, yeah. Yeah. And like so that to conserve water, you fill up the bucket and then you douse yourself. But I had no idea. And they yeah. have no frame of reference for America. So when I for two weeks, I'm saying I have no hot water. They're like, this woman's crazy. <laughs> um and then I had to read an American woman's blog. Interesting. And I was like, so they don't Thank have Western you. hotels that you can stay they at. They do, but still, they're they are. I mean, where I was, you know, the the beautiful thing about Assam is that it's kind of like Ireland. It's like untouched in a lot yeah. of ways. But then Calcutta, obviously, is mm-hmm. is a metropolitan city for what it's worth. I mean, it's gotten better over the years than what it was, and it's. Um, it's a hybrid of both. I mean, you ha- I stayed in an eight-star hotel, but still I had to do the thing with the – make sure the, the hot water here is on. Oh, wow. To make the hot water run through. Yeah. Which, I mean, they know what they're doing with their, whatever their system to conserve, you know. But um, I did not know. And also when you're in India, you eat Indian food all day. Yeah. So 
Is your stomach geared for Indian food? I love Indian food, yeah. but they're like, <laughs> their mild spice or no spice is like caliente spice yeah. in, in California. Yeah. So I was like, just no spice, <laughs> please no spice. And then they kept giving me ketchup and I was like, why am I getting these ketchup packets? Like, please don't put ketchup on my food. <laughs> like, well, you're from America. Oh my and I was God, like, that's no, so no, funny. No, we don't, we don't do that. But, um, so there was a learning curve in a lot of ways, just like Americans say yes, like this, right? We yeah. nod our head where I was. I mean, I can only speak from where I was, you know, but they were like, okay, okay, okay. And they okay. like do this like head rattle. And as per the pitch of the voice and as quick, quick as the head rattle is uh -huh. means different things. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, that's so funny. It's just like little cultural little things I had to learn. I was deathly afraid of mosquitoes because the people who did my, uh, vaccinations before I went over there were like, this is a high area of whatever. So I thought for Zika, is that Zika? Malaria, no. malaria all these yeah. things. I took these huge, I can't even say horse pills. They were bigger. <laughs> these malaria pills that just did a number on me because you have to take them before you leave while you're there. And then after you come home because oh malaria like incubates in your yeah, system, yeah. it can come out later. So they made me so ill. So I got sick from India, not from India, but from taking the pills. I had to go to India. Yes, of course. And never saw a damn mosquito. <laughs> yeah, not one. Yeah. And I was like six months after my first trip there, I was like at the, I was going to say I was at the gynecologist. No, that would be wrong. <laughs> I was at the GI. I was at the, the internist. Yeah. Because we could not figure it out. He's like, maybe you have a parasite. But what happened was you take those malaria pills and they wipe everything good in your body out yeah all your good bacteria is gone it's so, gone yeah. so i would eat like a piece of bread and my stomach would be like Boo. Boo. <laughs> yeah. and they're like why is this happening and then one day my doctor was not in there and this nurse practitioner she's like oh thank god he's gone now i can tell you what's going on because she felt like suppressed and oh she was god. like this is what's happening exactly what we just said like all your good bacteria is gone we got to get that balance back and you'll be fine and you're like where's the kombucha yeah and then she just gave me this pill i'm supposed to take it for two weeks but on the second day i was better already and i was oh, like wow, oh that's so god crazy but of course with insurance it costs like 800 bucks oh and and what was your longest stretch when you were there months 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 yeah. Now, when you're there for that long, shooting a film with such a long production schedule, mm -hmm. and you knew it was going to take two years when you when you I got didn't. Out. I didn't really think about it. Yeah. Because things got delayed. Also, there's 80 disabled actors in the movie and children oh. on top of that. So they had to be trained and they have to work up the skills of playing music and all that stuff. So it was also that was part of the schedule. And they were shooting other scenes that I was not in when I was not there. So were you literally... Were you literally like teaching these people the way that you were in the movie? Like, was it kind of, of like course art imitating life not. and life? If it didn't it's uh, in the movie, I am. But yeah. some of these kids are actually like amazing musicians. One girl is a drummer, like bongos, and her she probably is about eleven years old, but her hands are like baseball mitts. Oh my god! Because she's been doing that since she's an infant. Yeah, and she's superior. I mean. Yeah. But yeah, we made it look like I actually <laughs> taught them, but I yeah. did not. So there must have been a point where you're like, this is not happening. This film will never get made. I mean, it must have been, you must have had some heart of darkness moments when you're in India for that Okay, long. let me tell you. I had a heart of darkness weekend, and I cannot believe that that's what you just called it, because that's exactly what I said. So I don't know if you've seen Slumdog, Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. Okay, so in that movie, you see how they have like the electricity thrown from building to building. Yeah. There was one point that that's how it was. And on the weekend, all the Wi-Fi went out where we were. And like in the whole, I'm not going to say the whole country, but the whole state of where we were. Yeah. 
the town and I'm like, my only connection to the rest of the world was the Wi-Fi, which is like having a bucket of diamonds. Yes. So it's Friday, Friday evening. There's no Wi-Fi. So I'm like, I can either make a $12 30-second phone call mm-hmm. to my family, which I did. Uh, but luckily at that point, I was staying at the consulate house. Like I said, it was a big, like, look like a Terra mansion from Gone with Women. Yeah. Um, and this beautiful green land. But I was like, nobody knows where I am. Wow. People are asking me to go ride elephants, and I'm stupid. I'm like, yes, I'll go. And my <laughs> producers are like, no, no. like yeah, we can. Yeah. If you go into the, we can never get you back. So anyway, I was like, well, when will the Wi-Fi be back? They're like Monday. So something did happen to me where I went from that Friday to Monday, where I was in actor jail, so I was not doing anything but spending time with myself alone. And you couldn't leave your compound. I have no internet. No, the grounds there were pretty, but I mean, I had, I literally, I would go downstairs. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I'm not complaining. This was fantastic. I would go downstairs and they had like all these people who made a big buffet of food for me. There's nobody (laughs) else there. Yeah. So after a while, it was like, I had this little thing in my room. You ring like Carol Burnett. Like, oh my God, that's great. It was too much, but it would have been amazing if I had somebody to share it with. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I was like in actor jail because I was like alone. So from that Friday to Monday, I had this heart of darkness weekend where I was like, nobody knows where I am. And then you start going down and you start worrying. And I, I was like, when I was in the third grade, this kid, Michael, he broke this little house that I built with my dad that we built. And like, I was like having all these crazy thoughts. Yeah. Like where everything sitting in the pity party chair, like something's <laughs> going to happen to me. Nobody's going to know. I'm going to be that American on the news. And then somehow I got through, I made a couple of $12, 30 second phone calls. Yeah. Somehow I got through and then I was just like, just learn your lines, just work out, just do whatever, yeah. you know, stop it. Yeah. Eat the food. And then the chef called and said, would you like French fries? And I was like, yes, yes I want, I want them. <laughs> Give me all of them. They were the best French. I still dream about them. They were the best French fries I have ever had in my entire life. They were like, remember old school McDonald's French fries? They were like toasted almost, like so crunchy and perfect. Mm. Each one was so perfect. He made them for me every day, sometimes two, three times a day. Because I was like, it was my only connection to home. Yeah, of course. And then the TV came on and Jamie Foxx had some commercial for something there. And I was like, I know him. I know him. This is Jamie. (laughs) Yeah. And people were looking at me like, I was like, I just, there he is, you know, but I was like super, it was hard. Yeah. And then at that point I was like, this is a superior experience. This is not for every actor. Not mm. anybody can do Like, listen, if you're the type of performer, you are because you're a comedian. I'm sure you have toured around and been like, hey, Joe, I'm in Nevada. Can I crash on your couch? Yeah. You know, and you're good with that. But when that kind of what you feel when you're doing that is over the course of weeks and then months. Oh my like, God. And not that I was crashing on couches, but it just was like you you don't have something to call your own or you have nobody to sort of connect with and you're sort of free-floating around. It was a lot. It was heavy. And I was like, this is not for every actor. Also, the funny part is, is like, you know, if I put heels on, I'm almost like six feet tall. Yeah. And I'm very, very fair-skinned. And a lot of the times, the kids in the town when we were shooting, I mean, everybody would come watch us film, which was amazing. Um, but they had never seen a white person before. Yeah. And especially someone white and tall like me. Yeah, so just stick like, out in L.A., so there. Right. Yeah. So so they're like, what is she? Like, what are you? Like, what is she? And they wanted to touch my skin. Oh, wow. Is that wild? That's Because they thought maybe I would feel different. 
Oh, wow. It's wild. Yeah. So then, but then the cool part was, like, here we are with this huge red camera I feel package. like there should be a documentary about the making of this, I really wish that there was. Were you I'm Instagramming sure. this whole time? And I was were, trying to. But there's zero Wi-Fi, so it's hard <clears> to so, I mean, no. You know what happened? They were like, I have a hotspot. And I was thinking, this must be causing this girl a fortune, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. But any time I could get on her hotspot, I would. She was so, became like a sister to me, my costume designer, because I was like... She oh I was there over Thanksgiving, oh oh yeah it's tough. It was tough because You're all you guys like, yeah. were posting your food and you know like <laughs> I like I said I love Indian food I'm back on it again but when I came home I was like I'll never Fuck eat Indian it again food, of course yeah. yeah. But um, uh, you guys were all posting and I here I was in my hotel and I was just super super sad like another Joe <laughs> Joe Conrad Heart of Darkness moment like ah and um. The, the customer and her whole team and PAs came to my room and gave me Thanksgiving dinner. Oh. And I was like, you do not know what you just did for my spirit. Oh, she's like, I, she's like, I could tell you're sad. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to be home, you know? Yeah. But the experience, I, it was so incredible. I will never trade it. I mean, I had, I had to, my website crashed. I had to start another Facebook page and a fan page. Like they are loyal. Yeah. You know, that's why sometimes you see me posting super late at night because it's for them. Yeah. They see it first and they're like, we love you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're just such beautiful, beautiful people who still have a little bit of the British occupation there. Like we had tea, like I feel like 15 times a day, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. And, you know, somebody's walking by, they're like, brother, come here, have tea with and us. And do you feel like they love America? And did you feel like, because I know there's some countries, I always feel people say, oh, people hate America. But everywhere I go, I feel like people on the low, they love America. Yeah. No, they love America. A lot of them asked me to take them back with me. Wow. And the, here's the funny part. Think of, like I said, like some people are destitute, you know? Yeah. And like a, a, some man who is homeless or what they would say is like a beggar or whatever. He had nothing. He came up and he was giving me white chocolate Nestle bars. And I was like, oh, no, like that's for <laughs> you. And my director was like, you have to take it. You will, you oh, will wow. really destroy him if you don't. He's doing this to honor you, you know? So I was like, okay. You like, know? They're still in the package though, right? Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but he, he, that was a gift for him for me to accept his gift. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Just beautiful people. But anyway, um, the funny part is, is that they're like, well, we're so sorry for you, for your president. What's going on in your country? So they're aware of that. Even in this of course. small part of India, they're so they're very laughing. present to it. Yeah. I mean, the world's like, I don't know, you know? I, but they're I, smart enough to realize that Trump is not like a metaphor for all of America. Oh, of course not. Yeah. 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 That's why they just see how the division that has happened. There's a division that has happened in America. And they're like, we're so sorry for you. Interesting. And it's like, oh, wow. These people, some of them who have nothing are sorry for us. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of eye-opening. But mm -hmm. um, I came home and I was so appreciative. I'm like, I literally flew home and had a music gig the next day. Yeah. So, like, m imagine that jet lag. I was yeah. like, I don't know what my name is. But I came home. Well, prior to coming home, I had a, a stopover in Hong Kong, which I don't know if you've ever been to that airport. I have, yeah. I mean, a it's like shopping ago. God. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. But it was so civilized. And yeah. Like, just fashionista that I was, like, weeping in the airport. <laughs> My body was just weeping. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm almost, I'm going home. Yeah. And then when I got home, I was just like, I love you so much. <laughs> I just want to let you know, you know, because I was like, wow, I just had a mega experience. Oh, my God. I'll say, yeah. That was like, 
on so many so many levels it was yeah. just and have you seen the film i just saw it yeah i saw it at uh at, well i'm sorry we premiered in can oh so this film also premiered in can yes which is i'm saying it, be careful what you wish for because i was like i was mad that this other movie i did not do premiered in can i didn't do it and then i was like i need to i'm going to be going to india he's like it's already happening i go to india and make this film with 80 disabled actors or they have each different thing and like beautiful beautiful people better actors than most people in yeah, this town for sure uh -huh. and uh like truly trained and crafted and um and then uh i saw oh no then just like no fanfare oh we're like we're going to Cannes. And yeah i was like wait what yeah and I went and I was like, oh, God, this is supposed to be my life. <laughs> like, what an experience. Yeah. But now I'm like, I have How to did, figure. How was it received at Cannes? Good. Yeah. We got an award. Which For award? some, like, World Peace Award or something. Yeah. Because it's, the United Nations is very, um, is a big uh, fan of the film. So they're helping oh. us get the message out. And, uh, I mean, you should come if you're free. Come to what? The, to the premiere. When's the premiere? Friday. Well, I'm busy here. that day. I won't be. I, won't be. I, I would <laughs> so love to. I, you kidding me? I would love to, but I won't be here. But then yeah. it's gonna, you know, it'll play there for a while, uh, and then go around. And we. So the Lemley right here across the street, Lemley Five. No, the one, the film center in Santa Monica. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like? I wonder the, if it will go to the Lemley across the street because that's the, like the art house. So Lemley. it's it's um, it's being platform released because I know that yes. this is a whole thing that yes. kills a lot of people. I did a, a terrible film called I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. And it was, uh, okay, we're going to start with a 1,000 theaters, but if we make 5 million opening weekend, they're going to expand it. I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to make 5 million yeah, opening weekend. Yeah, this film was interesting because it's it's a commercial film. It's an important film, but it's also going to be a learning tool. Yeah. So it'll just carry on. It'll have a life. It'll have a life. of theaters. Yeah, like so that. it's like Cannes was only a couple of months ago, and we already have 27 laurels. So it's like that's Jesus Christ. What do you mean? Twenty-seven film festival laurels. Oh, so it did the whole circuit, not just. Cannes. It's still doing it. Yeah. What other film festivals? Um, I don't even Can't know. Can't do Sundance because they they won't. Yeah. They won't. Yeah. So it did can, uh, a number of them is escaping me now. We've won like I don't even know how many Telly awards. Like a lot of things. That's amazing. That like every day I go on Facebook and I, they just tag me and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this You're is like, amazing. Cool. Yeah. Have you have you been recognized for your work? In I it have yet? not been recognized for my work. Oh my. But it's God. okay. It's not about me. I know. I know. You know what I mean? It's not. Quincy Jones did music in it. Saida oh, Garrett, wow. who wrote Man in the Mirror. She's also plays my mentor in the movie. She did music in it. Julian Lennon opens uh -huh. the movie with a poem. Wow. And his voice, you're like, John? Because it sounds just like his dad. So, uh, sorry to interrupt, but do you, for a film like this that obviously ha is important film, It's an important movie, yeah. Uh, do you feel that it also, um, artistically, do, are you able to step outside yourself and watch it as an artist and see if you like it as a movie? Or are you too close to it? Okay, the first time I saw it. You always hate the film the first time you see it. No, always. no, I didn't hate it. I, I had no frame of reference. I didn't see anything. Yeah. Basically, also, Indian movies shoot different, and you have to go back and dub your whole performance, which was like, whoo, I was not happy about that. Oh, wow. Because um, some of these scenes, I'm shooting in these massive temples. Yeah. And there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people there. So yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. way. We had sound, but yeah. there's just no way. And I didn't know that. So when I went into dub at Salami Studios here, where like every animation cartoon voice gets read... I thought I was going in to do the voiceover narration of the movie. Interesting, yeah. But and they're you're like, no, no, no. All of your lines? They're like, no, no, no. 
I had a thousand takes. Exactly a thousand. So I was like, oh my God, here's my diva moment after two years. (laughs) And I was like, I need a minute because I didn't know I was dubbing the entire movie. So for people who don't know, when you, when you, I guess the word ADR, when you ADR your words and and why do a TV show or a movie, some of those have to ADR. It is actually, and I'll have maybe, okay, we're ADR in five lines. Which ADR means additional dialogue replacement. Yes. So something like maybe you garbled a word or they, you know. And um, the timing isn't right, and so you go, and it's actually pretty grueling to do five lines because right. they have a, they have your, someone's in the booth, they go, okay, ready on, beep beep beep, and then you say your go. line, and you have to look at your lips on the screen, silent, and you have to match. Right. And it's you, so it's easier than if you were doing. But you have to get actor. back into the character, and you, you have, have to character. like what that feeling was, what you that have emotion the was. On and, yeah, yeah, it's a whole process. So you like, do that for a thousand. Takes. I have a thousand takes, and. It literally, and I'm not, like, I'm just being super, super honest. Like, the first hour, I was full of rage. I was mad. Yeah. Because I'm a perfectionist. And I was like, if I would have known that I was going to be doing it, I would have prepped for this. Sure. I only prepped my narration. Yeah. So I was super mad. Yeah, that no one told you. And it was like, it was after the hour, I was like, this is not a big deal. Get it together. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm a former New Yorker, so I speak very fast naturally. Now, put that to try to read your own lips while you're acting and your head's turning and you have to land back on whatever that syllable was. It was freaking hard. Yeah. The the problem I have with ADR is sometimes, particularly if, if the ADR is... You're shooting and you're amped up and you're run- and then all of a sudden you're just sitting there in a studio yes. mu- with headphones and you in have to recreate your, your emotional <laughs> state and your physical yeah. state. It's very difficult. Yeah. So, I mean, and then I got into the groove. It was fine. But it was just like, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but the music, what it, the, the film looks like, it's so gorgeous. So the first time I saw it, I was sitting up front behind a whole festival audience and I was like getting choked up and I was like am I getting choked up because I'm reliving the experience or because the movie's good I don't know my guess would be because it's good if I every time I see a film for the first time that I'm in I think it sucks and okay. I want to kill everyone so I was trying so hard not to cry I almost like gave myself an aneurysm oh, like wow. I was like hyperventilating so were people crying all through the movie I didn't know until the end so then I turned there was a, a film festival director in between myself and the director and at the end a little credit came up and I turned to my director Rupam Rupam Sarma and he was like he just nodded at me and I was like <laughs> and I started crying and the film festival director's like you you've never seen it before and I was like no I, I and I was so embarrassed to turn around and when I turned around like everyone was crying and I was wow. like oh my god Okay, I was like, all right, this is important. This is moving people. Because yeah. the whole point is, is like anyone at any time can become disabled. Uh huh. Yeah. And what is it like to be a person who, you know, either was born to then live in a wheelchair or has now become a person who has to be in a wheelchair? I'm just giving you one example, right? A lot of people, especially in America, you see somebody in a wheelchair, you don't make eye contact with them. Think yeah. of how des- devastating that is to a kid just normally walking down the school hallway. Yeah. And now you're being ignored because people are uncomfortable. So yeah. when I was in France, people were coming up to me saying, you're so brave to be in this movie. And I'm like, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. What do you mean I'm so brave? Like to be around people, like how did you? And I'm like, this is going to a place I don't 
like nor I like how how am I supposed to respond yeah. like it's, people are uneducated and and this is why this is important because yeah. it's like that could be you tomorrow mm-hmm. and then you have to worry about where the ramp is to get into the building and yeah. there is none yeah how are you getting in there so it's like it takes you through the journey of all these people in a very sort of almost like a documentary style way yeah and then there's a whole through line of my story throughout that and my journey of being over there, which is very, like I said, like eat, pray, love, like Julie Roberts going over and having this experience yeah, and yeah. then learning about yourself. Um, so there's that. But yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like, am I cho- I'm getting choked up because I'm reliving all this time. I can't believe that's me. I never look at the screen and think get, people get weird when they watch themselves. I'm know. like, do you? I'm yeah. just like, that's a character. I don't I just disassociate myself. That's good. Yeah. I, well, I was so I, I had to film the premiere at South by Southwest. Did I ever? Did you ever watch the? It was called Before the Sun Explodes. We shot it here. Wait, whatever. was that the one you were in the car? I think it's. It starts in the car. I think maybe I'm driving to the Laugh Factory in the, in the Anyway, um. I think I and did. The director it. said, "Watch the film before South by Southwest." Right. And I said, "No, it's cool. I want to be part of the." And, and I saw it at the film festival, and I. And, and just I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. You're like mortified. And I, and I was like, <laughs> and it was also in, a, and it premiered in a big like auditorium. And it's a very claustrophobic, intimate sort of dark yeah. comedy that doesn't work in that space. So there were like no laughs. Yes. At all. And not that it was necessarily a comic sure, film, sure. but like I'm going relax. People. And I was with my like my best friend who's like, hey man, cool. He was like a yeah. producer on it, and we watched. We were like, oh man, this is. So when I saw the director that night, she was like, what do you think? I was like, I can't lie. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And then and then I saw it again when I'd calmed down. Yes. I was like, okay, I get it. I, you did a good job. It's I mean, I think film. I was desensitized because I did have to ADR my line. So I yeah. saw myself. Got it. And the only part that was drawing that I was like, I look like I am superimposed in India. Like it was just <laughs> unfathomable to me that I actually was there. And now I'm with all these people. And I was yeah. the only American. It was very... Like, that's interesting, but it's shot so beautifully that, I mean, it's just, even the way they did my hair and makeup there. So it wasn't like this, I imagine. No. What? Your hair and makeup. No, part of it was Indian. Huh? Were you grungy? What was your, what was your? No, no, I look great. (laughs) I mean, like, what I meant by that is here, you know, when we go to hair and makeup and it's like hours and touch-ups and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. they only used water on my hair. And my hair has, I have so many different hairstyles in this movie. You would think I had hairspray in my hair. I don't. Everything is very simple and refined. Water, they use their fingers to put my makeup on, and it's aces. Oh, wow. And no, and, and they work until the job is done. Nobody's like, I want to go to craft service. Like, they don't, it's just a different mentality. Yeah. They work their ass off. There's no off. union, yeah. There's no union. They're literally climbing buildings to get the shot. You know, like <laughs> stuff that's really illegal here. Yeah. And I kept saying, I was like, this would never fly in America. You have team no idea. Teamsters would not be behind this. Yeah. But I was like, man, they really come together as a team with no complaints. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So that was super cool. But yeah, just it's a, it was to see it finished. I was amazed because you, you know, you go and shoot a movie. You don't know what's going to happen. You have no happen. idea. Yeah. You know, you really, really don't. Mm-hmm. But I had such a good experience that when I came home, I was like, I don't care what happens to this movie. I just know that I had that amazing experience. Yeah. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. But then, you know, it's doing so well. And like I said, it's just, it's an important movie really for its cool. message. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's amazing that you that you 
you manifested that. I mean, that is yeah. like the secret incarnate. That's like so yes, LA. Yes, the law of you, attraction. You were at the Pacific Palisades in the... Self-realization, self-realization center. Self-realization. Yeah, spiritual That's incredible. center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this Friday, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fast track this podcast so it can yeah. can uh, can be a plug for your for a movie. I'm definitely gonna see it. I will not be at the premiere. Will it be in New Jersey this weekend? No, but I think we'll we'll not this weekend. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, New, is it New York or is it just? It'll LA be opening? in New York. It'll have an opening in New York. Yeah, yeah. And then I think it's at the I don't not the Lemley, the Angelica or something Angelica. like that. I think. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, Which but I, next we go to Sicily and then Hawaii. For the film? San Diego, yeah. And they're flying you all these places too? I wish. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. I know. I think they used to fly people for festivals and now they're like, yeah, Sometimes they do, yeah. yeah. We thought Sicily was going to fly us, but they can't. The budget's not yeah. happening. That's very cool. You have to go back to Sicily. I though. know. Well, that's amazing. So is there uh, anything else, like any big Pine Sky stuff that you're working on? Anything that's sort of after this that you're kind God, of God, like, I have two really big things that are pine, like amazing that could be amazing but i can't discuss them you got to go back to the uh the friggin retreat center wherever that fucking place that's is right from. yeah self now that we center. said it i got to do it so before you leave yeah. um and thank you for coming by the way it's really cool you came um do you want to make your own film that's better than stars born because we had a very brief <laughs> exchange about our stars born which i think i'll say it i don't care i thought it was a piece of shit I don't think it was a piece of shit, but I thought it was, I thought it just missed the mark and it bugged me. And we had a brief exchange about that. And I think that there's a better film in that, t- in that <laughs> Thanks world. Thanks for outing me, you asshole. <laughs> no, I think, I, 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 I did not say what your opinion was, but do you feel like there should be a film that is more definitive about yes. what it means to be a singer? Do you have something Okay, like that so here's my, do you want my bullet points on this? I don't yes. know how much time we have. Okay, basically, I love, like, you already know I love Judy Garland, mm-hmm. raised on Judy Garland, love Barbara Streisand. I love those versions. And I love yes. the very first version of Stories Born. But Judy Garland is that person. She is. Okay? Barbara Streisand is that person. Lady Gaga is that person, and they didn't let her be that person in the movie. Interesting, yeah. They made her go a different way into a trash artist that he would have no respect for. So it makes no sense that this man would hang himself over somebody that he did not respect. Yeah. So I had a major problem with that. I also felt like, why do you want to rush this movie? If you're going to break out Lady Gaga, I would love to direct her. Like, break her out in a way where she is so comfortable and so raw that I, as an actor, can't tell what was working from behind the scenes as an audience member. And I saw it with an industry crowd. And it's like, everybody loves Gaga. I love her. She's an Italian sister. But there were some moments that I'm like, oh, man, why don't you just give her one more shot on that? Or how about redirect? And, you know, he was wearing many hats, too. It's hard. Yeah. And in the edit room, there's so many components in making a movie. To actually make a movie, have it come out, and also have it be good is like a feat unknown. Unbelievable. You know? I know, I know. I'm being stupid by saying that. But I think... I wanted it to be so I wanted it to top the other versions. If you're going to recreate it, I wanted it to be so, so amazing where at the end she becomes Lady Gaga. Yeah. Because Lady Gaga is that. Yeah. It's larger than life character that he would be like, fuck, I'm so beneath this. Yeah. And she didn't. He made her go the other way. And I just don't know why that was a choice in the script. Mm, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because it started out that he respected her because he was like, damn, your songwriting is amazing. Yeah. And then it just took a turn. Yeah. And and it just, I wanted it to be, I just was looking around at the end. I was like, why are these people crying? And I'm like, they're crying because, oh, man, they really are Gaga 
uh, monsters. Like they just love her so much that they yeah. are feeling her and happy for her. And I think that is beautiful. But the movie was not the movie that I thought it was going to be. Do you think that you have it in you too, as as someone with a directing degree and all of your pedigree, do you right. think you're someone who's like, I want to make, do you want to make your own feature film that involves music? Singing, and- yeah. I mean, listen. That's the goal, and every time I have like one of those huge like studio or agency, they're like, "Tell me when, what, what are you gonna do for you?" And you know, I love period pieces, but it's like those are not always the movies that studios want to make because they're like, "Oh, studio, uh, a period piece. Mm-hmm. Oh, what else?" So it's like now I'm trying to figure out what's a contemporary musical that's a not cheese ball, mm-hmm. and b not. Um, you know, everyone's like, what's for the millennials, for the millennials? Like, what are they? And I'm like, no, I want to make something that is honest and true. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, where you actually remember the songs. Like, I love Mary Poppins. <laughs> but this Mary Poppins remake, do you remember the songs? I didn't see it. I couldn't see it. Do you remember the songs from Star is Born beside the one that's beaten down your throat on the radio every day? In the sh- 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 <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think that song is so funny because it's basically like, it's like, it's a duet, but it's not really a duet. No. Well, it kind of is, but yeah. Um, you know, and it's a big hit because it's, it's, it's yes. out there. Yes. But do you remember the rest of the songs? I don't remember any of the songs. No. And I think of every iconic musical, you know the songs. Yes. And I want to have that again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, why can't we have you're that? You're uniquely suited to make it, so I'm counting yeah. on you. All right. Let's well, go to the Self-Realization Center and make it happen. Let's make it happen. Um, uh, so let's just plug your movie. Your movie is called... One Little Finger. One Little Finger. Premieres August 16th, runs at the Lemley uh, Film Center in Santa Monica. Awesome. So people, show up. Go. Support a, a fellow artist and, a, and a, someone on the podcast. And uh, and a friend of, of comedy and a friend of the Laugh Factory. That's right. Hopefully, hopefully I'll get to see you again at the club soon. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you'll get on stage one day so you can have another hyphen to your name. That's right. You never know. All right. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. (laughs) After laugh, man. (laughs) Go ahead and pull up a chair.